Thank you for joining us here today at Liberty Church. We pray that the love of God will be made known to you through this podcast. If you wish to know more about our church or would like to support our ministries, check out our website at libertychurch.life. Or you can look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thank you for joining us and welcome to Liberty Church. Word says, if God be for us, who can be against us? He's the glorious God, the great creator. He's our father. The question is, are you for him? You on his side is not so much, is he on my side? That's not the question. Are we on his side? And if we are, then nobody can be against us and win. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for the worship. Before Pastor Jared speaks, I want to um, need your help with something. I'm holding in my hand some letters here from prisoners who are behind bars. And these guys, they want to know more about the Christ. And they have inquired through testing and taking tests, learning more about the scriptures. But they need somebody to help them grade these tests, uh, write back some thoughts about the Christ. They want to know more about the Christ. And I, I believe the scripture says we are to help those, and those who are prisoners, is even written. Uh, when I was in jail, did you visit me? Yeah. So this is the way of visiting them. So we need some help, someone grading these uh, little lessons. They're, they're, it's not hard to do at all. So we need some help with that. If you want to volunteer to help with this, please let Miss Debbie know. Um, again, inquiries about the Christ. Questions about the Christ. And they need a response. So it is a tremendous way of testifying and ministering. It doesn't take that much time. It really doesn't. So think about it. You don't even have to pray about it. I know it's the will of God to do. All right. Thank you so much. Praise God for that. God, I, I, I love that. You, know, you, you don't have to pray about things like that. The Lord said, go and do. So there's nothing to pray about. You just go. Make it happen. And um, I feel a preach coming on, but I'll just... <laughs> just <laughs> um, Pastor Jerry, come on. Lord bless you, man. Yeah, he better be careful. He's going to preach my message. <laughs> I was watching a video uh, Friday. It was by um, a comedian named Chris something. One of the, most people know him. I don't remember his last name, so sorry about that. But anyway, so his video was about uh, ways Christians say no to volunteering. And uh, it kind of made me sad because I was like, it's really sad that we got to make videos about saying no to volunteering when our first answer should be what? Yes, it should be yes. Um, so it kind of made me sad, and, and it, it's funny because uh, I didn't even know it at the time, but God kind of shifted where my message was, was going, and that was really the direction that it was going in was, you know, evangelizing, volunteering, um, doing the work of Christ is really what I'm talking about this morning. I'm going to be in the book of Malachi, I'm going to flip back and forth between Malachi and uh, Matthew 25. And um, 
So those are going to be the two primary books that I'm in. I'm going to be in chapters 1 and 2 in the book of Malachi. So if you want to take a moment to turn there, that'd be awesome. So a little bit of a background on Malachi. Malachi is a special book in Scripture in that the word Malachi really just means prophet. We don't know who really wrote the book of Malachi, but we know that whoever wrote it had very strong words towards Israel. It is the last book in the Old Testament, kind of a precursor to Christ's arrival. Um, Most scholars say that it was written around 400 B.C., before Christ, and um, the biggest thing about Malachi is that it was probably one of the last prophets to write a book and to really challenge the Israelites to turn from their ways and turn back to God. Um, and as we know, they didn't. They kind of did their own thing. And, um, and Christ was, came into this world to kind of set things right. And so that's sort of the background of Malachi. It's the background of, of what we're going to be studying this morning. Um, the book of Malachi really centers around Christian leaders, priests, um, the Levites at the time of writing. And these are individuals who are supposed to be leading the church. They're individuals who are supposed to be leading their peers, the, is- the Israelites during that time. They're supposed to be being, being good examples on how to follow after God. Now Malachi's condemnation towards them was pretty frightful. If you read through Malachi, um, there's some strong language in there. Like, there's some strong ideas that God is conveying to the Israelites. Things such as, you know, I'm going to smear poop on you because your mouth is so filthy. Like, you are not speaking the word that I have called you to speak, and so that's what you deserve. You deserve, you know, a face full of cow pie. And it's quite disgusting, but it paints this vivid picture of just how concerned God was for his leaders at the time. Malachi proclaims to the people and to the leaders that they have dishonored the name of the Lord through their actions, and it really centers around how they dealt with God individually on a personal basis. In chapter 2, verse 1, Malachi says, And now this commandment is for you, O priest. If you do not listen... And if you do not take heart to give honor to my name, then I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I've cursed them already, because I know you are not taking it to heart. God, just in those two small verses, is clearly upset with what is going on in Israel at the time. See, God calls his followers to... Speak his word. All of us, as Christians, we're called to speak the word of God. We're called to speak to others about what God is doing in our lives. We're called to speak what God has already done in our lives. It's a general call. Christ calls us at the end of Matthew, and he says, Go and make followers. Let them know what I've done. Let them know what is going on in your life. God calls his followers to speak his word. But Malachi, he recognizes that the priests and the prophets during the time were not doing that. They were choosing scriptures and words that blessed their own hearts, 
bless the hearts of the people. And they were ignoring scriptures that exposed the flesh for the flesh. Doesn't that sound familiar to us nowadays? We have a lot of people out there who want to tell us how we're doing good. But when it comes to telling us you know, how we're messing up, they get a little shy. In fact, today it's rare to find those who walk in the fullness of God's command. Everything, not just the good things, but the hard things as well. The priests during Malachi's time were dishonoring God by choosing not to spell out the truth. And it's that the people of Israel were not treating God fairly. They were not treating God right. During this time, you had people of Israel who were coming to give offering to Christ, I mean to God, coming to give offering to God. And um, they were called to give the firstborn the best of what they had done throughout the year. So they were to go through their work, whether they were a, a worksman or whether they were a shepherd. They were to go and find the best of what they had done and give it to the priest to give as an offering to God. But instead, what they were doing was they were going to find the leftover stuff, the stuff they didn't really care about, you know, the stuff that nobody really wanted. It wanted. Uh, Wednesday night, I was talking to my youth, and I compared it to Vienna sausages. You know how Vienna sausages are made? Basically like all the leftover junk, they just kind of chew it up and put it into a, a sausage, and they sell it. And it's, that's basically what the Israelites were doing was they were giving God Vienna sausages. Like it was the, the leftovers of what they had, the worst of the worst. They were called to give the best, but they were going and picking the blind flock, the lame flock, the flock that wasn't going to give them any profit, any money, no meat, and they were just giving God Vienna sausages. I mean, that was it. It's like the entire book of Malachi, this is the problem. They're choosing to give God junk, like just junk. God has a problem with that. Like, he looks at their offer and he's like, what are y'all thinking? Like, y'all know what y'all are supposed to be doing, and this is what y'all are doing. And the priests, they had no problem with it. They saw what the Israelites were doing, and they didn't check them. They let it go on. So God sends Malachi. The leaders of Israel, they wanted the prize of religion. They wanted the blessings that God had, but they didn't want it at any cost. They decided that God wasn't worth what they were called to give, but yet they wanted God to turn around and bless them immensely like he had promised. They didn't honor God, but they still wanted his blessings. They practiced half-truths. They practice partiality. I call them cross-dressing Christians. They uh, said they were one way, presented themselves as one way, but then on the backside were, were not honoring God with their actions. They were not honoring God with what they were called to do. And not just the people of Israel were guilty of this, but the priest also, because they were called to correct Israel and they chose not to. They chose to let it slide. Therefore, if you do not listen, if you do not take 
heart to give honor to my name, then I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already because you were not taking it to heart. The priests had done acts that were seemingly severe enough to call for open rebuke from God. And that's because God deserves the highest honor. Us, as we sit here today, he's given us life. Does he not deserve honor for that? During the Israel's time, they were the one chosen country to represent him. God picked them up and picked them out and said, you will be my staple. Did he not deserve honor? The Israelites felt it was too much to call, too much to ask. And so they chose to dishonor him. And in my book, to dishonor somebody who has given you so much, it's basically open rebellion. It's saying that you are not worth my time. And I'm not going to follow your commands, your degrees. I'm going to rebel against you. And that's how God viewed it. Continuing in verse number two, it says, If you do not listen, if you do not take heart to give honor to my name, then I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already, because you are not taking it to heart. Behold, I'm going to rebuke your offspring, and I will spread refuse on your face, and the refuse of your feast, and you'll be taken away with it. This is vitally important to understand why God is speaking in such gross ways. And it's because the Israelites, they were a clean people. They were called to be clean apart from everybody else. And one thing they valued above all was their face, their mouth, everything up here had to be clean. What came out of their mouth, if they were a priest, had to be clean. It had to represent the God who has shown them such blessing, such assurance. And God says, your words are worth poop. (laughs) They're worthless. Worse than worthless. They're an abomination. Because they don't represent the whole truth. His point is very clear, church. And it's that if you're not going to preach the word, if you're not going to speak the truth that God has for his people, us as Christians, if we're not going to preach the gospel, if we're not going to live it out, then what's the point in opening our mouth? Our efforts are are in vain if we choose to do things the wrong way. Verse 4, it says, 
then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, and that, may co- that my covenant may continue with the Levites. My covenant with him was one of life and of peace, and I gave it to them as an object of reverence, so that you may revere me and stand in all of my name. My covenant with him, with Levi, with the, with the house of the priest, was one of life and peace. In church, that's a promise that we inherit as Christians. We inherit a life of peace. But what's the common denominator here? See, the Israelites during this time, they didn't have peace. They were missing the fact that they were not representing God. And so, when I'm reading this, when I'm studying this, when I'm looking at what God has to say for the Israelites, I can't help but feel like if we don't spread the gospel, if we don't speak the word, we don't inherit, we don't, we don't, we don't take that peace with us. That our lives become tumultuous, that we no longer have that peace in our hearts because we're not fulfilling what God has called us to do. We're not fulfilled in our life. And so if we're not speaking the word, if we're not speaking the gospel, I find it hard to have peace. So the priest, they were guilty of one thing. They were guilty of not speaking the word of God. In Jesus, in his gospel of Matthew, he gives us a very clear directive. He says, go, speak my word, speak my gospel, make disciples, evangelize. Spread the good news. Speak his word. So I have a question. Do the amount of times that we come and sit in these very comfortable chairs, do they outweigh the number of times that we evangelize every week? Do the number of times we come to service outweigh the number of times we speak life into somebody's life? Do we sit in the sanctuary more often than we do speak the gospel? It's a tough question. And it's a question that me, as a pastor, I have to say, yes. I have not evangelized more I have not spoken to individuals about Christ more than I have come to Sunday morning service. And I have a problem with that. Just me internally. I have a problem with me coming to church more often than speaking the gospel to somebody who's never heard it before. Because last time I checked, those who are unsaved vastly outnumber the amount of Christians there are. And there have been many opportunities in my life to be able to speak the gospel. But still somehow... 
I manage to come to church more often than I do manage to tell somebody about Christ. So where do you sit this morning? Do you fall in the same category as me? Do you have peace when I ask such a hard question? God calls us to life and peace through the preaching of his word. In Matthew 25, there's this beautiful parable. And it says, he's talking about the kingdom of God. He says, for it is like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to him. To one, he gave five talents, which is an amount of money. To another, he gave two talents. And to another, one, each according to his own ability. Immediately, the one who received five talents, he went and traded them and gained five more talents. So he did good. He invested his money. He got a return. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. He had invested his talents, his money, and received a return. But he who received one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came up, and he brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. And see, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with the two things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy. Everybody say joy. Enter into the joy of your master. It was joy that was given because he had done true by his master. Also, the one who had received two talents came up, and he said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents? And see, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, well done good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy, everybody say joy, joy of your master. But get this, the one who had received the least amount, the one talent, it says, the one who had received one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you have scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered, and he said, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I do not sow, and I gathered where I've scattered no seed, then you ought to have at least put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. There's a a view of this that compares it to individuals. 
And it's that if you were lazy with the abilities, the talents, the blessings that God has given you, and you choose not to sow them, then it'll be taken away. But then take it further. And those who have been given opportunities to evangelize and you choose not to sow into those opportunities, then you've done wrong. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow, and gathering where you've scattered no seed. I think that is reminiscent of Christ and his work on earth. See, I, as an individual, I was one of those who God reaped, even though I was destined for something else, was destined for death. God came into my life and he gathered me even though I was rightfully Satan's. I was called to death. I was called to destruction. I was called to a terrible life. And Jesus entered into my life and changed it wholesomely. And so when the the slave says, Master, I know you for one who takes those who don't belong to you. I didn't belong to Christ. I belong to death. Jesus entered my life and took me away from that death that I deserved. And the slave hit it right on the head. He said, you take what is not yours. And I thank God for that. Because if he didn't take me away from what I deserved, I'd still be there. I'd still be destined for death. The slave recognized this and thought to himself, well, that's not right, so I won't advance the kingdom. Jesus comes back and says, you were lazy and wicked, and you've done wrong. Because I've called you to do one thing, and that was to scatter seed and to sow. And the priests during the time of Malachi, they had been called to one thing, and that was to preach the word to go and shift the people of Israel to keep their eyes on the Lord, and they didn't do it. God calls us to life and peace by preaching the word. Furthermore, God calls his church to evangelize. Also looking at that parable, It reminds me of some churches. You have three churches going on. Two who have been given a modern amount of resources, modern amount of individuals. They decide to look at that and say, we're going to use that to the best of our ability. We're going to further the gospel. We're going to further the kingdom of God. And then you have the third who says, you've given me a very little amount, and I'm just going to go bury it in the back of our yard 
And then when Jesus comes back, then we'll just, you know, be in heaven. They do nothing with their resources. They do nothing with their people. Just sit around and wait for Jesus to come back. Who lost out? Those who were lazy. Those who sat around and waited. Shift back to Malachi. The strong word of that the strong words of those prophets. It says, "I wish one of you." He's talking to the priest. He says, "I wish one of you would shut the temple doors, so that you will no longer kindle a useless fire on my altar. For I'm not pleased with you, and I will accept no offerings from your hands." God is a God of wholesome perfection. And if we sit around like James has called lukewarm Christians, we claim we're saved, we claim that we do the gospel, but we never actually do anything with it. God says, I'd rather you just shut your doors. If you're not going to do what you've called to do, if, if you're not going to do what, what the church Universal church, not just our particular church, but every church, if you're not going to do what every church has been called to do, Move on. I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so you no longer kindle a fire, a useless fire on my altars. For the Israelites, this really should have just like struck their hearts. Because if you remember, the one connection they have with God, the only connection they have with God is through the temple and through the priest. They don't experience incredible freedom that we have today and that we have a personal relationship with God through Christ. But their lifeline was through the temple and the priest. It was one, one temple. And God says, I'd rather you just shut the doors because you're not doing what you're called to do. You're not honoring me. But the Israelites, they didn't respond. They didn't care. And so God turned to the Assyrians and said, all right, time for you to show up and show out. The Assyrians came in, conquered Jerusalem, and wrecked the temple and shut the doors of the temple simply because the Israelites would not heed the word of God. God's intention, his heart, is, is so simple. And it says, if you're not going to do what you're designed to do, what, you're, what you claim to do, the Israelites, what you claim to do, then it would be better to just cease in existence. In church, I can say this with the utmost confidence. It's that God will not bless a group of Christians if they do not fulfill the purpose that God has set out before them. He will turn to another group of Christians Give them the power, the resources to do it. So this morning, I ask you, are we up to the call? Are we as a church up to the challenge that God has set before us? Or are we just coming to church 
to hang out, have friends, and move on with our lives when Jesus comes back. Then you know that I sent you this decree so that my covenant with Levi may continue, said the Lord of armies. My covenant with him is one of life and peace. And I gave these to him. It called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in all of my name. This morning, this message may sound like God's a hard God. But what we inherit when we choose to fulfill our purpose is an incredible amount of joy and peace and life. When I first started out in youth ministry, um, we would go to Shaco Springs, Alabama to go to a camp every year. And I remember it was like night two. And usually if you go to camp for a while, you can pretty much plan out the nights. You know, night ones, you're, everybody's super excited to be there. Night twos, everybody's kind of like super tired and falling asleep during service. Night three is usually cry night. And if you miss out on crying out on night three, you cry on night four. And then night five, it's, oh my God, we got to go home. And I mean, it, it happens every year the same way. Well, night two, the night that it's normally supposed to be like super tired and all the kids are just like done, they're ready to go to sleep. I had a kid come up to me, surprised the heck out of me because number one, the kid was hilarious. And by hilarious, I mean he's bad. Um, and then number two, it just didn't happen on night two. But he came up to me and he said, Pastor Jared, I, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like I need to give myself to the Lord. So I was like, all right. Let's go talk. So I went and uh, we hung out on the balcony of our dorm and we talked for a good 20 minutes. And um, he accepted the Lord that night. It was the most beautiful. I mean, I, I just felt, I, was, I had so much joy just even remembering now. I have so much joy remembering what happened that night. And it's because it was just so genuine. It was so genuine. Like it wasn't an altar call, an altar call. And I personally, I can't stand altar calls because, I mean, there's no relationship whenever you're leading somebody to Christ. It's just, hey, come up to the front and go to Christ. And so it was just so authentic that he was like, you know, it's not huge production. We're not in the middle of service. You know, the pastor's not calling me to come up to the front. It's, I feel like I need to go to my pastor and talk to you about Jesus. So it's beautiful. And after we got done talking, we went to our room. And I roomed with three boys. And he was one of them. And we walked in the room, and he was so excited to be a new believer. He went to each one of them boys and said, you need to go talk to Pastor Jared. You need to go talk to Pastor Jared. You need to go talk to him about Jesus. And I was like, that's not really how it works, but I mean, if they want to go talk, let's go talk. Um, but he was just so excited to, to evangelize. He was just so excited to tell others about what God had done for him. And I remember the great joy that he had to go and tell others what Christ has done for him. And that's something that, that's something that I want to keep my entire life. I want to capture that and hold on to it through my day so that I remember how 
much joy it is to be one with Christ. And my challenge to you this morning is to join me in recapturing that joy to evangelism. Because we're just called to do it. It's not an option. It's not something we can just opt out of. As Christians, we're called to evangelize. Otherwise, we miss out on the great peace and joy that God has for us. So, as Pastor John comes and just plays a little bit of music, leads us in a little bit of worship, I'm going to invite you to just come hit the altars and not just pray for our church, but pray for each of us as we take part of this church that we seek out opportunities to spread the gospel. We seek out opportunities to be intentional with our words, be intentional with our attitudes, that we seek out those who are lost and dying. I shared it with my youth on Wednesday, or no, last Sunday in our uh, young adult Bible study. I have, uh, God kind of laid it on my heart to go after this one individual um, for a while now. And so every time I go to where she works, um, I always hang out with her for about five, ten minutes. Just talk to her, talk to her about what's going on. With the intention of asking her one day, where is Christ at in your life? So that's my challenge. Let's go find people who are lost. Let's fulfill the purpose and the call that God has for us. Let us make evangelism one of the things we do right as a church. So will you come? Will you come and pray? Not just for our church, not, for the, not just for the direction, but also for us individually. That we find opportunities to evangelize, to speak God into somebody's life. He's a wonderful God. He is a wonderful Savior. We have heard a pointed word this morning, a direct word, that the Holy Spirit has spoken to our hearts. I have no doubt about it. I've been reading about some of the same things this past week. You know, the story of the talents uh, is so powerful. All of Christianity can be identified in that story. We are one or the other. We're one of those three. In that talent, in that parable, we're one of the three. All of Christianity can be defined in that story. So it's a very powerful, pointed story, and I pray that you have heard what the Lord has spoken to our hearts about this morning. And let's not be as Israel was and stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and rejected but to accept it and receive it. We cannot depend upon our identity as the title Christian to get us through because it will not. The title alone will not do it. And I share this with you and we will pray, but the Holy Spirit certainly spoke to my heart something to say about that third guy 
who hid the talent. He's, he's going to depend upon a mercy that's not going to be there. And I hope you receive what, what that means. The, the guy may say, yeah, I, I, I'm part of who the other guys are. I'm part of the team. But he did no work. He didn't do what the Lord called him to do. So what he's doing, he's going to rest on a mercy that's not going to be there when he stands before God. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. It's a tough word. But he's dependent upon a mercy that's not going to be there. Because the word has given us clear direction. Now let's receive it. Let's receive it. Amen. God has something for us, but we've got to obey what his word says. Praise God. And I believe we are. I believe he's put something into your heart and touched you with this word this morning. So let's, let's use it wisely. Let's take this word and use it wisely. You know, you, you, you've got to share joy to receive joy. You've got to share peace in order to receive peace. That, that's evangelism in itself. If we don't have the joy and the peace, maybe we're not sharing the joy and the peace. So let that settle in on you. Stand with me, please, as we pray together. I want you to be in prayer for the service this coming Wednesday. Pastor John about town, I'll be teaching this Wednesday. And uh, next Sunday, I'll, I'll be speaking as well. Um, and it's sort of on the same line, so I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about something. So I'll be talking about the sacrifice, a living sacrifice, offered and accepted. I mean, just it's, God has really spoken to my heart about something. It's in line with this. I'm excited about it already. So let's be in prayer for these services. Let's believe God for every service. You bring someone with you, and let's watch God go to work as we obey. Let's watch Him go to work in our lives and the lives of other families. Gracious God, we thank you for the time here today. We thank you the direct word, your word that is alive and powerful that we have heard this morning. I pray let it minister to us and let it settle in our hearts. Oh Lord, I pray that we understand more and more. You saved us for a purpose. You loved us. Number one, you loved us. But you desire that we go and tell others of your love, your peace, and your mercy so that they can taste the same. So help us to be about the master's business. We must, we must. It's so important. So I pray for every person here, let us receive this. Let Jesus come alive in our hearts like never before. Help us to reach others. Most of all, help us to live for you as we should. To bow before you and truly say, Master, Master, Lord. We're so glad that you joined us here today at Liberty Church, and we certainly pray that you received a word from our podcast today. Let me encourage you to support our ministry so that more people can be reached by the gospel. You can do so by going to libertychurch.life and clicking on the giving button. All those donations are used to reach others for the love of God. Again, thank you for joining us, and have a blessed day.